Chapter 3. My Story, Spiritual Awakening. So I left my job in September 2018, and I think this leap of faith became the catalyst for an awakening in my soul and a new season of spiritual growth. I was networking online, so I began to find out what people were reading and watching. This is how I found Marie Forleo, and she is how I found Brendan Burchard. Initially, he was so inspiring that I attended one of his events that fall. It was an amazing experience and yielded encouragement and clients that I desperately needed to get my business off the ground. After I came home, I found that his books were quite enjoyable, but were like finding a few sips of cool water that quickly ran dry. I needed more. I needed to go deeper. One of my first blog readers recommended Jen Sincero's books to me. I found myself equal parts confused and intrigued by the ideas she talked about. There was one, however, that planted an important seed and became a launching place for the rest of my spiritual journey. She introduced this idea of combining faith and gratitude in such a way that you become genuinely and truly grateful for that which you can't see in your mind's eye, that you can see in your mind's eye, but which hasn't happened yet. I found this fascinating. I didn't immediately grasp it, but I knew it was important. What I can see but hasn't happened yet? but I'm grateful for it. So I got far enough into personal growth and then through and passed that into spiritual growth to start hearing about A Course in Miracles. I was curious but hesitant as I began to read from teachers who drew from this modern metaphysical text. Gabrielle Bernstein had such a warm, inviting, feminine presence of peace and joy that I felt safe enough to give it a try. So I picked up The Universe Has Your Back and began to read it. This book is the one that introduced me to the journey of moving from fear to love, from the wrong mind to the right one. She speaks clearly and easily of this inner resistance we have to love and provides a wonderful succession of practical exercises we can do to begin to make the shift from living in fear to living in love. In her words, we must recognize that while we have a loving miracle mindset within us that wants to be at peace, we also have a wrong mind that says, I don't want to be free. I don't want to give up judgment. I don't want to release control. I saw that her approach wisely involves honoring our shadow and forgiving ourselves for living in the wrong mind. She directs us to look at our wrong mind with love as we decide that we are ready to be free. What will serve you most is to look at your fear with love and decide that it's not a thought system you want anymore, is what she says. Okay. Big life changes and merciful miracles. In the fall of 2018, I hired a business coach, went to a conference, started working with clients, and replaced my income within a few months. That sentence in itself seems straightforward, and yet I feel it represents a great injustice as it crosses over a whole slew of small miracles. Every client that showed up during that time and had the faith and courage to work with me felt like a miracle. And it was. Replacing my income in November and December was a miracle. And then a few days after Christmas, when I reached out to my clients about January, none of them wished to continue, all for valid reasons, which primed my life for more miracles. From December 27th to January 3rd was a week of intentional faith, filled with a determination not to panic and lifting of prayers daily for God to bring new clients, new experiences to show me the way forward. I was pressing in, praying for guidance. So then I have an incredible week, that first week of January. I pick up new clients, finding new networking opportunities, 
The most exciting details come together on January 4th, that Friday. I meet with a new group of businesswomen. I land a, new, a big new client. Then, when I get home that evening, I find out my husband lost his job earlier that day. He was waiting until I got home to tell me. This is sudden, unexpected. It is both the best and worst of timing. It also feels like a miracle to me because I knew I needed to get him out of the job and had absolutely no idea how I was going to do it. And then it was as if an angel showed up in my mind and said, ta-da, now we're both free to move on with our professional lives. I had just set the ambitious goal of t for 2019 and making enough money consistently by the end of the year to start homeschooling my kids and give my husband true job flexibility to make a transition to a new job. I knew he needed a fresh start too, but it was a good job and he was focused on providing for us. None of this happened in the way that I had expected. But within four months, my husband was in a new job and my boys were home with me homeschooling. It was an intense and challenging season to walk through. But looking back, I see the hand of God in every part of our journey. It was somewhere in early 2019, after these early experiences, and reading books like May Cause Miracles by Gabrielle Bernstein, with its 30 days of meditation exercises, that I started to believe in miracles again. Like, really believe. Then, while working full-time for several weeks, while my husband was driving Lyft and job hunting, I reached a breaking point. I remember collapsing internally on Thursday night, on February 14th, which happened to be my birthday. I remember praying for help for a miracle, specifically for a job for my husband so we could return our family to somewhat closer to our normal balance. It was too hard on him to be at home, too hard on me to be gone, because it's hard on the kids for me to be gone. That much. So that night I break down in tears and I let it all go. I ask God to intervene and I surrender my expectations regarding what that might look like. I also set my intention to do my part. And before I can do anything, the next day my husband gets a call back from a position he had applied for weeks earlier. And they give him a phone interview on the spot and call him back within an hour with a tentative job offer. Within 24 hours, he has a new job. It's in Newport News, 40 minutes away, where we don't know anyone. <clears throat> I am overcome by awe and gratitude that the universe heard my prayer, that God intervened so immediately, so directly. This gives me a sense of certainty in a very uncertain time, and for that, I am immensely grateful. This miraculous intervention carries me through several challenging months that are ahead for us. But before we can undertake that adventure together, we have to get the house sold. We had been hoping for Chesapeake closer to family, but inside I feel an incredible sense of peace and joy about going in this direction. We're getting the house ready to put on the market, and now at least we know where we're going. Selling the house was yet another daunting task that had the fingerprints of God all over it by the time we were done with the process. My friend, who was also our real estate agent, was just launching her staging business at this exact time, and she made our house look absolutely incredible for no extra charge. I had just made a bunch of connections through a new networking group I had joined, and I suddenly had at my fingertips contacts for all the miscellaneous tasks that needed to be, get, to be done to get the house taken care of and ready to sell. We got two offers in the first three days, one above asking price. We were able to list and sell our house within the ideal window of time in the spring. The day after we closed, our, closed on our house, our neighbor listed their house way below our sale, way below our sales price. They listed theirs as a foreclosure the next day. 
When we first decided to sell the house in early February, I was feeling overwhelmed one day, and so I put on my project manager hat, spread big white, big white sticky papers all across our living room wall, and wrote out the ideal timeline for fixing up and listing the house, getting it under contract, finding a rental, closing, and moving out. I knew real estate could be incredibly difficult to predict or schedule, but having something to aim at really helped me focus on doing the part that was in my hands to do. I soon took the papers down to start prepping the house and forgot about them until I found them while packing my office to move, after everything had basically fallen into place. I was astounded to realize that every step on my timeline had happened within a week or earlier than the date I had designated for it. I could feel God so near at this moment. I could see spirit smiling in my mind's eye. I felt so grateful and reassured that moving out of this house was part of a divine plan that we were being watched over and guided. We were moving from a large, beautiful house to a tiny white rental, so this confirmation was so soothing for the inevitable pain of leaving such a nice place full of so many wonderful memories. Two of my children came home from the hospital to this house but we're selling it to a nice young military family moving here from California. And now it's their turn to make some memories here. And the books I'm reading are encouraging and comforting. I'm reading Gabrielle Bernstein and I'm not only comforted, I'm becoming comfortable with these new ideas, with this language. I was starting to feel like I had come home in a spiritual sense. I wanted more. So then I found Marianne Williamson and I read a Return to Love. A Return to Love. I adore this book, perhaps because it came to me in a difficult time, just when I needed it. My copy of the book has highlights on nearly every page, and it was the book that broke my habit of writing out the best quotes from a book onto index cards. This book yielded a thick, unwieldy stack of cards on a variety of subjects. I might as well just carry the book around when I want to refer to it. In this book, her aim is to summarize and explain the main concepts from the metaphysical text, A Course in Miracles. The Course was the, te was the spiritual teaching that found her in her darkest hour, and she dedicated her life to bringing its message to her generation. When she wrote this book, she had to introduce and defend the idea of love as useful, as a strength and not a weakness, as a daily answer to the problems that confront us. We take this for granted to some extent, but she was one of the ones who paved the way for a current embrace of concepts such as love, forgiveness, and compassion. Her ideas can largely be summed up with this quote from the introduction. Love is what we were born with. Fear is what we have learned here. The spiritual journey is the relinquishment or unlearning of fear and the acceptance of love back into our hearts. Love is the essential fact. It is our ultimate reality and our purpose on earth. To be consciously aware of it, to experience love in ourselves and others, is the meaning of life. There's so much more that could be said about this book. I don't know where to start. Instead, here are several more of my favorite quotes from it. You spend your whole life resisting the notion that there's someone out there smarter than you are. And then all of a sudden, you're so relieved to know it's true. All of a sudden, you're not too proud to ask for help. That's what it means to surrender to God. Fear is to love as darkness is to light. It's a terrible absence of what we need in order to survive. We awaken from the dream that we are finite, isolated creatures and recognize that we are glorious, infinitely creative spirits. We awaken from the dream that we are weak 
and accept that the power of the universe is within us. We had to become as crazy as the world is, or we would never fit in here. We had to achieve, make the grade, get into Harvard. What's strange is that we didn't learn discipline from that perspective so much as a weird displacement of our sense of power away from ourselves and onto external sources. What we lost was a sense of our own power, and what we learned was fear. Fear that we weren't good enough, just the way we are. Thought separated from love is a profound miscreation. It is our own power turned against ourselves. Surrender is not weakness or loss. It is a powerful non-resistance. Through openness and receptivity on the part of human consciousness, spirit is allowed to infuse our lives, to give them meaning and direction. The ego bases its perception of reality on what has happened in the past, carries those perceptions into the present, and thus creates a future like the past. In the present, we have the opportunity to break the continuity of the past and future by asking the Holy Spirit to intervene. This is the miracle. So good, so much wisdom. I just love it. I love her. I love that book. Okay, Finding My Teachers. Life is crazy, intense, and unpredictable. We're all feeling the stress of the transition and the move. But we're all together. We're all healthy. I'm starting to follow the rabbit hole deeper, and somehow on some level, I've never been happier. Since I left my job, I've felt more and more like myself every day. Now that my husband can move on too, and we're making a fresh move to a new city, if I'm honest, I'm glad to leave everything behind. Somehow I know it's only for a season. My soul is craving a fresh start, an opportunity to rest in newness, to start so many things over, to move others forward. I am emboldened by these outward events to move into new areas in my thinking and my reading. They say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. At this point in my life, a series of teachers came into my life in rapid succession in the form of their books appearing in just the right order as if an invisible hand was presenting me with a curriculum for my spiritual growth, awakening, and transformation. A soul's code. I find my next clue at the end of a book by Stephen Pressfield. I've been reading my way through his nonfiction books that help creatives with the creative process. The War of Art, Turning Pro, Do the Work. If you are a writer or a creative, these books will speak to you. You will love them. I loved them and was elated when I discovered a new one I hadn't read yet, called The Artist's Journey. The first group of books describe the mythical hero's journey, and then the artist's journey is what comes after the hero returns home. In The, artist, in the Artist's Journey, he describes what happens after the awakening that comes at the end of the hero's journey. In all of these books, Pressfield speaks eloquently and knowledgeably of the tension and the struggle between our soulful creative genius and our resistant, fearful ego that prioritizes reason and rational thought. When we arise from the wreckage triumphant, after the journey of the hero, and we embrace the call of our soul, we begin our artist journey, which involves communing with spirit and returning regularly with gifts for the people, which are the creative work we have done as we commune with that otherworldly layer through a co-creative work of creation in whatever form that looks like for us. This is how he describes it. This was the book where I learned about James Hillman and his book, A Soul's Code, with its acorn theory and the concept of the daemon that watches over us and knows our destiny. I would normally have been sufficiently resistant to this idea, but he caught me off guard. I was already hooked. He spoke the truth. So I reread the end of the book several times, and then I started on A Soul's Code. 
and I think looking back that my discovery of this, con of this concept was a watershed moment in my spiritual awakening, one of many but precious nonetheless. This passage from the artist's journey is one I have bookmarked and still read from time to time. A powerful destiny lies coiled inside you. This force is neither a dumb robotic tape or some dusty hieroglyph left from millions of years ago, but is an active, dynamic, intelligent presence, endlessly creative, ever mutating, responsive in the moment, supporting and guiding you as you evolve and advance. Nor does this force operate only inside your mind. It is not solely cerebral or abstract, nor is it bound by the limits of your consciousness or your physical body. It operates in real time and in the real world. It is connected to forces unconstrained by time and space, by reason or by nature's laws. It is capable of summoning allies and assistance and of concentrating them on your behalf and in your cause. These forces are not only of the imagination, ideas, insights, wisdoms, breakthroughs in your life and work, but also practical and material apparitions like friend and allies, connections, places to stay, and money. What a wonderful thought. What if it's true? What if this destiny is dormant inside you? What if such devoted assistance is available to you 